Arjuna, what do people generally mean when they use the term little emperor when it comes to a child? I think it refers more to kind of most of the time it's single child households, right? So like an only child household mm-hmm. where you have a child who kind of rules the roost quite a fair bit, right? So mm-hmm. hence the reference. Um, so, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, parents don't have other children to compare the child's conduct to um, or the child kind of gets away with a fair bit because they're the only child in the house. Um, right. So because of that, that whole concept of being the little emperors because, yeah, they, they tend to get their way. They tend to rule things around the house and make decisions for everyone and um, have parents wrapped around the little fingers, I guess, sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. But is this something that only um, happens in families with single children? I mean, what other circumstances could this happen in? Mm, I mean, I mean, most commonly, I've heard about it happening in single parent household or single parent, single child households. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, but I have also seen it happen in situations where there's maybe only that particular gender of those children, so an right. only son or an only daughter. Oh. Um, I've seen that kind of happen as well, um, and and I think that that's. Um, more to do with the fact that the parents um, might show some preferential treatment based on gender. Um, I also have one family that I'm working with where um, the child in question was quite sickly growing up um, right. or in the early stages of their life. Um, mm-hmm. And so mom and dad kind of gave a kind of wrapped Go them up in them. cotton wool. Molly yes. coddled, yeah. Molly coddled them versus the other children uh, because of that pretty traumatic start. And so as a byproduct, because we've talked a lot about how kids learn really quick from how we interact with them, um, Mm-hmm. That kind of became a byproduct, I think. Oh, so right. like, <laughs> let's see how far I can push this in a way. Yes, you know, like they notice very quickly that they're not getting reprimanded as much as their other siblings, or uh, they don't tend to get dealt with no very often. Um, so you know, they, they they do kind of pick that up really quickly, and as they get mm-hmm. older, they tend to kind of figure out a way to exploit right. that as much as possible. As they say in Scooby Doo, them pesky kids. Um, mm. <laughs> but you know, there are many articles that sort of contradict each other when it comes to uh, an only child's characteristics. Mm. Uh, one from G. Stanley Hall in his 2019 article believes that an only child is spoiled, selfish, and antisocial. But then, mm. you know, you've got Cynthia Hansen's article on the other side uh, from the same year mm. claims that you know this is entirely a myth. So, mm-hmm. what's the reality of an only child's characteristics? I think you know. I remember we 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 talked about like sort of like the the birth order and how that imp- how that affects mm. um, personality and I think that when it comes to only children it's the same right so um, I, I truly feel that children are born predominantly a blank canvas and a lot of their personality traits come in based on um, you know what they're exposed to and how they're being treated right so I would say that yes absolutely I have met children who are very much like the first example very self-oriented um, you know spoilt if you will but at the same time I've also seen some children who were raised in environments where that was not really you know um, that was not really developed upon or enabled um, and, and they became completely the opposite right in fact they were children who might be extremely lonely because they don't have other children um, they might feel quite isolated because if there's no other children in the house they're surrounded by adults most of the time um, mm-hmm. so there's a so I would say it really is you know a, a determining sort of personality traits based on birth order or based on um, you know whether you're a single child is kind of tricky because I feel there's a lot of other factors with the child's environment their culture their religion and all that that kind of formulate a person's personality so I would say it, it really depends on what the child's been exposed to Okay. Well, let's talk about this behavior then associated with this little emperor or any child syndrome and mm. how it shows up in a child. 
Mm. So <clears throat> I would say that, you know, the, the mind you, even though we call it little Empress syndrome, it's not in the DSM five, as far as I'm aware, unless it's going to be added into it. Um, so it's not like a mental health diagnosis of any sort. But what we mean by it is just that, yeah, children in, in this particular situation um, might not be very good at um, not having their needs met. So if you're giving them a no or if you're trying to regulate certain things they're trying to do, they might not respond to it very well, or at least mm. in the experience that I've had. Um, You'd also have uh, these children feel that, you know, um, the, the world kind of revolves around them quite a fair bit. And, and mind you, children are developmentally what we call egotistical anyway. Um, that's that's actually a developmental sort of phase um, mm-hmm. where they feel the world kind of revolves around them. But these children kind of take it up to another level where they don't really might not be very good at expressing empathy or understanding empathy looking at things from a different perspective and kind of understanding that, you know, if you want things a certain way, you might have to shortchange another person, you know, those types of concepts they might struggle with. Um, and again, this is all to do with sort of what has been um, introduced into, and sort of um, uh, reinforced in their life up until that point. So if they have moms and dads who tend to give them everything they want and who tend to um, not reinforce the concept of yes and no, um, you might see those things happening. And then eventually they this... get into politics. Okay, anyways. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, how does this then play out, you know, when they get a little bit older and start mm. going to school, mm. uh, junior, middle school? I mean, how does that show up then? There? Mm. I think it gets really, really um, obvious for children when they have to interact with other children because it's not something they've had to do if they were an only child mm. um, or having to deal with another child's wants was not really something that they might have had to deal with so when they go to school is when often I hear parents talking about it Um, when they were at home in preschool you might not have heard about it as much Um, but as they get older um, and and I do believe I mean to kind of take a page out of what JD just said a lot of people (laughs) in these positions um, you know do tend to struggle with the concept of the fact that there are other interests in the room that are equally if not more relevant to you to to what's going on than yours um, that there's a concept of fairness and things like that which they kind of struggle with right and I wonder mm. if if I wonder if that's kind of part of why that is because they were raised in an environment where they were allowed to be little emperors or where it was something that was not really curbed. So when you go to school, dealing with rules that don't necessarily appeal to you, right? Dealing with even things like homework, um, not being mm. able to to um, talk in class if you're a chattier kind of child. Um, just dealing with the rules and regulations enforced by the school would be something that would be really challenging. Um, <clears throat> most of the kids that I've worked with tend to Mm, grumble but they respond because there's always a consequence because schools always impose a consequence of some sort um, to to not abiding by rules but I have seen some cases where children go completely defiant and get into proper trouble at school because Mm. they don't believe that these authorities or authority figures apply to them I was just thinking about that I mean like by the time you get to school I mean like even primary school shouldn't you grow out of that because other kids Mm. are not going to let you it's not going to fly Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Like a lot of children generally do pick up that that concept pretty quickly, right? So these kids will go to school. That's why I always tell parents: if you have anything that you're concerned about, whether it's their behavior, whether it's their speech and communication skills, send your child to school. Um, as, and mm-hmm. we're talking about sort of toddler aged, right? Mm-hmm. Because that is the fastest way for your child to to learn things, right? Um, right. Because like you said, other kids are not going to be very apologetic or very understanding. So it's sort of like a throwing your kid in the deep end. Um, mm-hmm. But they pick up these concepts really, really quickly. Um, barring any underlying issues, of course, 
neurotypical or you know what you say if you want to call normal children tend to uh, pick it up really quickly when they go to school but some children do struggle um, especially in cases where I have seen where mums and dads tend to invalidate the school's authority. And I have seen that happen where they're like, you know, they fight with the school because they feel the child was being treated unfairly when it really wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had some parents who kind of like, you know, invalidate the teacher's position, basically. I've seen that happen quite a lot where they say that, you know, the teachers have no authority. And when you do that, the kids are going to believe it as well. So, Mm. you know, I'm all for parents speaking up when their child has been wronged in some way. But if it's, if your child did do something wrong, you don't want to be setting the precedence where they get a pass just because they're your child, you know? Right. So that's kind of what, what I think happens, but yeah, absolutely. Norm, you know, on a normal circumstances, kids do, kids do get the memo very quickly when they go to school, mm. but some children do struggle if they have enablers for parents. Yeah, but there's right. no way my son, my child's an angel. He's a genius. All these parents are, and I'm like, please, mm-hmm, la, mm-hmm. All, all the other kids mm-hmm. are like, we know what your kid's about, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I sat in, on a session the other day with a school and a family and the school had compelling evidence as to what the child had done wrong me as a therapist I knew all of the things that had been accused of the child were true and we had all tried to communicate it to the family and there the parents sat predominantly the mom just going like no you're all wrong and so it's kind of like you know you have all of this evidence and yet so of course there's not going to be any recourse or any conversation about it at home other than the fact that all of these people are targeting their children so that kind mm. of inflates that I'm not going to call it ego but it inflates that mentality even more yeah turns yeah. out these people also believe in flat earth but anyways <laughs> let's talk about the psychological ramifications on the child if mm. that's actually happening what's mm. going on there Mm. Well, I mean, I, I tell I, I tell parents that you are literally the people who are going to be informing kids about how the world works because you've lived here for a few more decades compared to them. So by the time they show up, they're going to need to rely on you to set the tone, right? So if you're telling the kids or you're teaching your kids that the world looks a certain way, then they're going to believe that that's the case. And then they're going to go out into the real world and find out relatively quickly that the way that they look at things does not apply. It's Mm -hmm. a rude awakening. And I've seen some kids really struggle with that um, in in a negative way in that they don't really kind of understand. They feel there's something wrong with them. They kind of see a lot of that happening. But Mm -hmm. I've also seen some kids who feel that the world is just messed up and there's a lot of entitlement. There's a lot of opposition because they just don't understand why the world isn't the way they've been told. So psychologically, I think it's pretty damaging because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've covered this a lot about how I feel that, you know, with parents, you are equipping your child to live this world, right? And and they are going to need to do it at some point without you. And if you don't kind of give them those tools, they're going to struggle to to function. So and yeah, it's not a positive thing. As they mm. grow up, I suppose when they become adults and you're much older, I mean, when your parents are in your old parents already, you're mm. going to have to deal with yeah the problems of what you've built right yeah i mean i've had some like you know some of my clients who are you know older who've told me about their older siblings who you know were not you know who are constantly not able to keep a job who are constantly getting into 
problems with authority, mm. all because they've just never really been told or never been educated that their behavior is unacceptable. So mm. you have these elderly parents caring for grown children who don't want to work, who don't feel they should, um, who cannot handle it when their bosses or when other people call, you know give them criticism or ridicule them in any way. Um, you know, and and um, you know they they break the rules. I've had some of them tell me they've had like you know licenses you know suspended they've gotten wow. into you know all these these big issues and parents don't say anything are we talking about sort of those i mean veering towards those labels of real narcissists and sociopaths i mean is mm. that what you're talking wow, about is that where it goes to? yeah i mean not necessarily like a cause and effect but i would see that definitely you're kind of encouraging that right because if you're teaching a child that the world revolves around you that's the principle or the basis of narcissism right mm -hmm. and so whether or not you know little emperor syndrome is a precursor to you know narcissistic personality disorder i think that would be an interesting thing to look into but i wouldn't be surprised if it were um because it's about the type of messaging that you're sending to 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 these children that the world revolves around you your needs are superior compared to everyone else's if i'm talking about extreme cases right mm -hmm. um and and these kids will take that into adulthood and try to impose upon other people those principles. Mm. I can't even imagine what would happen then when parents get old enough to sort of be frail, to need to lean on those children who've grown up, basically not really having to care or think about anybody else. Yeah. And the thing that I often see is that you know a lot of parents do feel that it's a phase and they do feel that it's something that kids will, like JD said, just grow out of. Um, and when they reach that stage where they're older, they expect their children to be able to care for them and to be able to just be an adult. Mm. But you know, it doesn't work like that. There's no switch that suddenly gets flicked if you're teaching your child and encouraging this in childhood and then expecting them at a certain age to just be able to revert to the natural order of things. That doesn't mm. happen, right? So, mm. yeah. Well, you can't expect someone to be able to play chess if you've never taught them how to play chess. Precisely. And, and that's something that I often have to tell people and they often get kind of surprised when I point it out because, you know, childhood is basically a probationary period for adulthood, <laughs> you know, oh boy. And, you know, and if you're if you're not giving people, you're not giving these kids an introduction into what adulthood is going to be like and what the expectations are, um, they're not going to suddenly know how to do it when they reach 18 or however old you expect them to be before that happens. So, yeah, so I have seen and, you know, even just like, you know, in my in my my family and extended family and, and friends, you know, I have seen cases where you have these elderly parents who, you know, need support from their children. But these children just don't mm. feel like they should. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so I guess uh, next question would be, how can we as parents shape them differently um, mm. despite them being an only child? I think you have to be able to, while it's understandable that you want to, you know, that you kind of put a lot more focus on them because they're not, you know, they don't have other children to to. You don't have more with. than one. You don't have more than one. Um, yeah. Or if again, if it's if, if for some reason this child gets preferential treatment, you have to remember about, again, the message that you're trying to communicate to them and that if you do, if you are happy with this becoming an adult at some point um, in the current format that, that your child is behaving in, then, you know, to each his own. But I would say to parents that, you know, you do have a, a responsibility to teach your child how to integrate with society. 
And little emperors and narcissists tend to not integrate into society very well. So how can you go about overcoming that, right? By teaching your child a lot about empathy, by teaching your child a lot about the fact that there is a concept of other people's needs and wants over yours, and that you have to do things that you don't like necessarily, that you have to give up things that you really, really want to keep. All of these things, I think you kind of have to teach your child just in the concept of, or, or just because we want our children to be resilient. And if we're not teaching our children this, then they're going to go out into the real world and be met with all of this and not have the tools and how to overcome it right so everything might feel like a catastrophe everything might feel like it's unfair yeah um and so so yeah so even though you have a sing- an only child um, or even if you have a child that's behaving like a little emperor it's still not too late to overcome it if you set the pace and if you set the tone and put your foot down how old is too old I mean, like, what's our, what's our time <laughs> limit here? Speaking I think, as a mother of an only child, <laughs> I think I think that it's I think that it's never too late. I think that you know we've we've mentioned this before. It, it gets harder as they get older, right? But I think that if you, even as the mom of an only teenager, feel that a lot of the things that is happening is not acceptable, you can absolutely sit your child down and discuss it and explain that moving forward, these are the things that I am not going to be comfortable with that I'm going to expect out of you. These are all things that you have to do, but you just probably have to explain it to your child um, so that you know they're not going to be happy about it, but at least they kind of understand why the transition took place. Because mm-hmm. if not, they're just going to fight you on how different you're being, right? So, but with younger children, I think it's a lot easier to make that transition without having to clarify. Yeah, but if the son is 40 years old and still acting that way, <laughs> oh, it's say. a bit late, <laughs> It's a bit, it's a bit tough, right? Because you know the other thing that's also important, and I know this sounds really messed up, but the other thing that you have going for you as the parent of a child is the fact that the child kind of needs you in with regards to kind of your their day to day life, right? So right. there is a motivation, right? But if you're forty and you make your own money and you and you live on your own and you have your own like you know immediate family what your parents might want and say is something that you have a lot more capabilities to kind of go like I know my old people you know like you might not want <laughs> yes, to disregard you know, disregard yes. and brush it aside so mm. i think that in terms of um, motivation it's probably something that's a lot easier to execute as a young child though yeah. Once they're still under the roof, right? Okay, I'm going to get my list out. And I love the idea of sort of like the whys, explaining yeah. the whys, but you don't have to agree, but this is yes. just the way it is. And I have yes. a valid reason for it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But I, also, because- I also can see a lot of parents who have much, much, much older kids who are in their 40s who are, can't hold on to John and everything going, oh. Oh. <laughs> But that, yeah, because you know you want to be able to teach them how to connect the dots, right? I mean, that's pretty much what I feel life is about. It's just teaching people how to play dot to dot, and you know, like just connecting the dots all day, because they need to understand that their behavior has consequences. That when you do this, this happens, and so and so yeah. So if you have a younger child, a lot of it comes with just the rules and regulations, and you know, like we said monkey see, monkey do. So kids are a lot able, a lot better able to kind of adjust if they're younger. Um, but when you're older, you're going to have to deal with the whys and the what's and the hows and understanding you know why is this taking place so it's a lot better to explain it so they go oh (laughs) right you want that oh moment so yeah 